So the question for me was, what do you do? What do you talk about when um, you come back from all this time off, from when everyone's going to be in the room again? And I looked at the lectionary passages and the gospel passage for this week. And, and we, are, we are in the season of Lent, of course, which we haven't really done a good job of rolling into like we normally do just because of the chaos of the last couple of weeks. But uh, the text this week from the gospel text is, uh, is, was out of John, and it's when Jesus goes in and turns over the tables in the temple and I just didn't think I had it in me to come back first week and talk about turning over the church tables and stuff. And so I, I looked around at the psalm, which, was, which is wonderful that you heard earlier, and, and landed on uh, the epistle for tonight, um, which is just kind of a one-off in 1 Corinthians. It's not beginning a series or anything like that. It's just a one-off in 1 Corinthians. But this passage is such an important passage uh, and, and so poignant to me. And um, and it's the one that kind of stuck out. So, so this is where we landed tonight. So what I want to do is read again from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18 through 25, and talk a little bit about foolishness tonight. It says this, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. For it is written, quote, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate, unquote. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since the wisdom of God, for since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believed. Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than, the human, than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. This passage, uh, Paul is writing to the Corinthians about this idea of kind of embracing the foolishness. Now, let's first acknowledge um, that these words are ripe for misuse, okay? Um, It reminds me a lot of some of the passages uh, that that you'll find about persecution that tend to get twisted around a lot, right? The Scripture will say something along the lines of, you are blessed if you are persecuted for the sake of Christ. And through uh, the machinations of our own messaging and the way we do things in the Christian church a lot of times, that turns into, if anyone is against me, God's on my side. All persecution makes me a better Christian, right? So you may do something that, in fact, uh, warrants someone confronting you. You may just be a jerk, But because someone has come against me, I am being persecuted. And because I am being persecuted, God is on my side, right? It somehow goes through our machine and comes out the other side in that form. If they're against me, Jesus must be for me. Sometimes Jesus is against the same thing other people are against, right? So we got to be careful about this. You can't glorify all persecution. And in this vein, we should be careful not to take these verses to mean that we are to pursue foolishness for foolishness' sake, right? It's not a glorification of stupidity or ignorance. Uh, And unfortunately, um, Christians have often earned a reputation for being kind of fact-averse, right? Uh, Which is not a real good look for us. And we should not use scriptures like this to justify that aversion 
uh, because foolish equals wise equals godly in this kind of math that we'll do sometimes, right? There's a particular kind of foolishness that's being promoted here, and we should focus on that. There's a particular kind of foolishness being promoted here, and it's not an aversion to facts. It's a posture. It's the foolishness of the cross. Now, understand that we have gotten very accustomed to the cross, arguably over-familiar with it, right? There would be few things as macabre as wearing a cross around your neck during Christ's time. It was shameful. It was a curse. It was, it was violent. It was a nightmare of a thing that we are accustomed to tattooing on ourselves or wearing around our necks or putting in the stained glass or whatever the thing might be. There have been few things in Christ's day worse than celebrating a cross. Right? A few things that, that, that deserve being celebrated less than a cross. Right? The only one who should be celebrating a cross back then would be Rome. Rome had a cause to celebrate it. In the same way that a nation might have a military parade to celebrate their bombs and their planes and their tanks. Right? The cross was just one of the many tools that Rome had at its disposal to keep its enemies, to keep those it was oppressing in line and where they wanted them so they could keep using them. It was the tool they had they could bring down on anyone at any time if they happened to be in the way. It is only a tool that you would celebrate if you're the one holding the hammer. It would be complete foolishness to celebrate the hammer when you're the nail. Yet this is our foolishness. We preach the nail hammered, right? We preach the bug squashed. We preach losing as winning, and it makes no sense on its surface. It's foolish. This should be what is so weird about us as Christians, as people of faith. This should be what is most confusing about our communities and our practice of Christian faith to those who don't share that faith. This should be the thing that makes everyone else scratch their head and ask why, what is going on? This should be the foolishness people know us for. But is it? What is foolish about Christian faith as it is practiced to those who are outside of it in our world right now? I know that's an uncomfortable question. I know it might be a little strange to look outside of our community to have them tell us what's foolish about us. But in this case, I think it might be instructive, right? Because Paul is making a case for foolishness, but a particular type of foolishness, and I'm not sure we tend to be on that brand. I do a good bit of reading, and I like to hear from people who disagree with me, right? I'm not averse to reading articles that argue against the Christian faith or belittle even the Christian faith. I, I like to hear what people think about us who aren't a part of us. It's instructive to me. I, I learn things from it. And I, even in my kind of uh, pursuit of this reading, I don't think I've ever read an article or a social media post, certainly not a whole book, critiquing Christianity's foolish commitment to losing. It's not something we're known for or critiqued for. 
I've never read anything about how annoying it is to have the dominant religion in this country freely choose to give away all of its power and influence day after day after day. About our tendency to uh, not vote for our own interests, but the interests of others and those uh, who aren't a part of our group or who may be less fortunate. A refusal to allow politics of this world to monopolize any of our heart or attention. This is not the foolishness that we are known for. Those are not the reasons why people aren't walking into our doors on average. We might be known for carrying a cross into the Capitol building when we storm it or hitting someone with it as we pray in the, in the Capitol Hall, or we may be counted on to be the most pro-war on average segment of society or um, anti-help <laughs> of people who are in need segment of society. We may well be known for the most reliable, this is scary uh, for those who are supposed to be uh, glorifying things, uh, we might be the most reliable demographic to be pro-death penalty, which is a little opposite of preaching Christ crucified. I mean, we're known for a lot of things. But this is not our foolishness on average. Paul held up foolishness of the cross against the world that he lived in, against the world religious and non-religious and the way they typically worked, right? The religious, in his parlance here, the, the Jews, the religious tend to want what is dynamic and attractive and impressive and miraculous, right? They want signs, something to validate their practice and their special standing with God. The non-religious look towards what is most pragmatic and sensible to solve what they see as wrong, and the cross really fits neither of these bills. The cross is humble. It's quiet, it's sacrificial, and it's unafraid of the thing that keeps everyone else running. This foolishness is supposed to be our calling card. And I don't think it's what we're known for. Now, to be fair... It's also the nature of this foolishness to not glorify itself. It's the nature of this foolishness to not put its name up on everything, to, to not get out there. And, about. And, and what I can tell you, if you don't know this, and I'm sure you do, is that the truth is, if you have the eyes to see it, if you go looking for it, the foolishness of the cross is at play all over the place if we just look for it. Conservatives and liberals, left and right, black and white, rich and poor, all over the place, the foolishness of the cross is running around if you just have eyes to see it. They just don't have their name in lights. They're just not drawing attention to themselves. They're too busy feeding the hungry or healing the sick or welcoming the outcasts or loving the left out, right? They are picking up their cross in a way that makes no sense apart from the foolishness of Christ. It's not helping them make mega churches that catch headlines. It's not helping them get rich or powerful. It's not even keeping them safe when they otherwise could be. It's the cross. And we preach the cross. We preach Christ crucified. And that is a stumbling block to the religious and the non-religious alike. And this felt like a good place to start when we come back together and begin to remember why we're here and what we are doing. Because I just worry 
that we, the large we, Christian church in general, have become the wrong kind of foolish. Our worry that we vote with our pocketbooks and not our calling to the cross, that we strain gnats and swallow camels, that we uh, build institutions and not the kingdom of God. And I worry that I might be the chief of those sinners. And I need to remember the foolishness. And in the season of Lent, this can become especially hard, right? When we find ourselves in the desert, and some of you may be thinking, I don't, I don't feel like Lent has stopped since last year at this time. And this can become an increasingly hard thing to swallow during these times, right? Because those big religious signs and that worldly wisdom begins to taste even sweeter in the desert. Because the last thing I want to do is be stuck in the wilderness and foolish. But Paul calls us back to where it all starts and where it all ends. Christ choosing the cross. Christ crucified the power and wisdom of God made manifest. The fullest expression of who God is and how God is in this world. A God whose weakness outmuscles our strength and whose foolishness outwits our wisdom. Christ on the cross, dividing time in two. Christ on the cross, through whom all things have been made. This is our foolishness. And this seemed to me to be a good place, a a good reorientation for this first week back in the room together where we might be tempted to neglect the entire reason we gather in the first place. That we might come back and remember the God who is love and the God who has first loved us from the cross. The God who foolishly chooses his own death over ours and sacrificial love over might. To remember that all we do, all we sing, all we preach is Christ crucified and all the foolishness that entails. And that is good news. Let's pray. God, we confess that um, even as people of faith, even as people who have claimed you as Lord and as Savior and as God, even as people who practice religion, it is hard for us to choose the foolishness. God, our prayer tonight is that even in the midst of the desert, even in the midst of these difficult times, even in these moments when we most want what is easiest and most secure and makes us feel the most safe, that we might remember your foolishness. That we might remember that the one thing that we gather here to do is to preach Christ crucified. To go into this world and love the way we have been loved. God, may we be more foolish by the day. We love you and we ask all things in your name. Amen.